0: This is the new Blood Money Podcast. We're here and we're going to try to talk about ways that people make money in the industry uh, through guiding, outdoor recreational, kayaking, fishing. Any way you're making money, blood, sweat, and tears through animals or your own in this line of occupation, we're going to try to talk to you throughout this podcast. Tissue, it's Johnny, and Walker Witt, which he's one of my guides, What's um, up everybody? and then my wife, Hi, everybody.
1: that's my wife Morgan. Yeah.
0: All right, so as we go through this, we're going to try to start it off,
1: you know, basically from the beginnings.
0: The beginning is the name of the podcast with John, hit that off perfect, and he can kind of give you a background to him and I's stories and how we started as young.
1: Story of Western guiding kind of started in 2004, but for me and Josh, it's started a long time before that back to when we were approximately you know four years old kindergarten age just horse riding hunting coon dogs whatever just outdoors everything it didn't matter what it was it had to be outside and kind of went from there and sparked into you know hey let's go to guide school or i'm going to guide school and you're not going without me and kind of went from senior year into right into life and out west here we go
0: so much how a lot of guiding stories start this is a story of the west that started in the east and kind of how we met the outfitter my dad and i i found jerry mousen which was mousen outfitting on the back of uh, i believe it was a western bow hunter magazine and now my dad and i we took a trip to syracuse new york and we met reggie and jerry mousen at a sports show and we kind of went over they had like a they would book people just like at a hunting trip but you would kind of sign on you would do a guide school and then After the guide school, they would try to pair you up with an outfitter uh, somewhere in the lower 48 and try to give you some work. And that was kind of like an extra thing. Why I kind of wanted to go with this this particular outfit is because they did offer that. And if I wanted a job directly in the industry, it was probably going to be easier to go through a guide school like that. And it was also in Montana and what's not better than Montana with grizzly bears. They got everything in the lower 48. So John and I loaded up a pickup almost... What day was it, John? You'll know exactly.
1: Oh, I don't know. It was sometime in December of our senior year in high school. He came and said, hey, man, we just uh, met this outfitter. And he has a guide school in, in Montana. And he says, I'm going come August after we graduate. I said, well, you sure as hell ain't going without me. So I got all the credentials and whatnot needed to participate in guide school with him. You know, we went and we're going no matter what, so
0: let me lay this out John and I were like the village idiots to be honest with you I mean we had horses and we rode horses around like they were our dirt bikes or four-wheelers or our cars we kind of thought we were living in lonesome dove movie the whole time growing up so we have this guide school persona in our brain and how this is all going to lay out and how we're going to be cowboys and we're going out and greats of montana and we're just gonna go out there and make money cowboy and that's is kind of like the, the maybe not the persona <laughs> of god school
1: per se but just persona of the west with john wayne and our horse background and everything outdoors all the time no matter what it was just like we had no idea what to expect no, to we had no idea here. what to expect but we just the adventure was calling we we had to go it's this is you know step into manhood in our eyes we had to, we had to make this step and we did after we graduated uh in june sometime we left in july and headed for northwest montana and trout creek for grad school and the adventure began so
0: single cab dodge ram some kind of weird lettering that my uncle did for graduating when inside <laughs> It was your middle name actually. McKay, McKay. yeah. So we get loaded up in this truck and all yeah, and we gotta make sure we roll our saddles up and they're up on top of the tarps. So. Yeah, I mean, we, we had to look cowboys. You know, we're heading west, you know, we're cowboys. We head out there and uh, we show up early for guide school and they're like, What in the hell are you two doing here early? Well, so first of
1: all, we were nine days early even getting in the state and had to stretch our means to make it to where let me even drop the a guide sh- school.
0: Let me drop a short story here that happened on the way in. So, we're camping. You're thinking of the movie Dances with Wolves. We're like camping alongside the road. This is awesome. We go through this one mountain pass and we camped along, did some roadside camping on the way out there. I'm wanting to dig me a railroad spike, which I don't know if this is legal or not. I don't know if we should tell it on here, but I'm trying to dig me a railroad spike it out of an abandoned old route. abandoned railroad.
1: What was that? The Northwestern? I don't know what uh, railroad to be. There's an abandoned track somewhere right along the continental divide on. Uh 93,
0: but... I spent all day to get memorabilia of this railroad spike out. John, I remember, was wanting to fist fight me about lunchtime and (laughs) the heat while I'm digging this spike out. I'm finding all kinds of stuff. I'm just, like, acting like an explorer. I'm in my element, man, just enjoying the heck out of it I mean, Walker, you come out. This was your first year out west. I mean, what did you feel like when you were going out?
2: Uh, Pretty much the same thing. I wanted to go west pretty much my whole life. Since fifth grade, I said I was going to move to Montana or something.
0: Nothing like it. I mean, that's all your mountain man stories. I mean, that's... That's what you grow up as a young adventurous. You're in the hunting world. I mean, there's nothing better than the West. It's a place where you can give physical attribute to the hunting. So every young man, that's where they want to go do it. So there we are, heading to guide school. We show up. We're way early. We end up going to the place and they tell us we're not allowed to be there until the guide school starts. They have no room for us. They have nothing. They act like we don't exist, to be honest with you. A very awkward moment. <laughs> so John and I, we pile back in the truck. We drive down the road and we go almost into St. Regis on the Clark Fork River. and
1: it's about almost Two hours, an hour and 45 minutes away from Trout Creek where we were supposed to be. Nine days early because we were just so gun how to get there and options, limit, options limited to uh, how we're going to make it nine days with limited funds and what we're going to
0: do. So we had zero money. We made it a little extravagant stopping at a couple stores and stuff on the way out. We had no use to saving our money. So we're out there. Nine days we divvy up i think we went to the grocery store we bought like what five or six cans of denny more and some stuff <laughs> Denny
1: more beef and noodles that was our yeah. uh, saving grace for nine days so we hope to catch uh,
0: a few trout yeah i had a fly rod so let me set this camp up for you we backed the truck down and along a riverside campsite we set up no tent we do have sleeping bags we set up a couple tarps make like little shelters back the truck in there it's set up real nice we've got solar showers we're showering in the river it's perfect i will tell one story so i'm showering on this stump and i can hear john like laughing in the background and i'm like don't think nothing of it and i'm up on this stump with a solar shower above me and we're back we're not far in but you wouldn't think that someone would come invade your camp spot whatsoever so i can hear these women and i am stark ass naked on oh. a stump <laughs> showering <laughs> and 8 30 in the morning yeah so I look up and down the trail comes a group of like five or six women on horseback. I have no time to flee the scene. I am stuck out in the nude. I, I thought, again, I'm 18 years old. I look like a peach, bro. I, I just got hair underneath my armpit. So I just covered up my eyes and my crotch as those older ladies rode by on horses and I can still hear them laughing. I never opened my eyes. That
1: way, I didn't know who they were if I ever met them again. So. They were laughing just as hard as me, trust me. So
0: we go to guide school. We, uh, we survived the days on the Clark Fork River and we Uh, We get into guide school And uh, it was It was kind of like What we had expected To me it kind of was I figured we would do A lot of horse stuff And uh, it kind of was in our wheelhouse. We understood a lot of stock and we had already did some farrier work. So I'm going to kind of go over just a little bit of a curriculum that they do at the guide schools. And if I miss anything, John, you cue in on that. So you'll go over like a lost hunter scenario briefly. You'll go over caping cuts on animals for taxidermy. If the means are capable, our outfitter, we actually, he had frozen goat skulls.
1: That we cut yeah, on, sheep yeah. Sheep are good, yeah. Horns, but you so. got the gist of it through that.
0: You do a lot of packing, a lot of manning, uh, which is if you can imagine a canvas 12 by 12 tarp. And you take usually 15 to 20 feet of rope and you wrap whatever you would, it is that you're wanting to pack on the side of a pack saddle. You wrap it up like a Christmas gift and you figure eight this rope or half hitch it and a series of knots down it that holds the load secure and put it on a mule. That is pretty much. Honestly, what a lot of the guide school was is packing, backcountry tents, Dutch oven cooking.
1: Yeah, shoeing like you already touched on. Just our guide school was probably 95% horsemanship and how to operate mules and pack animals in the backcountry.
0: They're setting you up for a guiding scenario where you're doing a lot of backcountry hunting, which that was the type of hunting that we did. We spent 30-some days out of wall tents and archery season and things like that. So you were in the mountains with stock and packers, camp jacks, and you kind of went over all those scenarios and how you would set a camp up and how you would go about doing it. What you would think you would learn at guide school would be guiding.
1: Well, I mean, at that time, uh, you know, 2004, a lot of the training was for showing up at an outfit for an apprenticeship because a lot of people don't guide their first season. They do a Packer season for a year, possibly even up to three years, You get to learn the country, you get to learn the animals and the other guides, and if they're going to fit into that crew, you know, whether they work out as a guide in general. And so I think that was a lot of it leading up to, you know, Setting you up to go to another outfit and pretty much packing for the first season to learn that outfit or the other guides, all the, you know the techniques it takes to get into the backcountry. But you know, as far as guiding techniques, there wasn't a lot in our in our first you know in our guide school.
0: No, they're setting you up to,
1: like, I, they kind of expect you to know the hunting part. I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, can this dude hunt or not? And I don't know if they expect you to know how to hunt, but they expect you to know how to get into the backcountry. And I think they kind of assume that you'll pick the rest up as you go. But that's kind of not what you paid for or what, you, what I personally expected when I got there. You know, I wanted to be taught how to call elk, how to set up for calling door in the bugle, you know. Different things like that, how to handle your hunter, what questions they might have and you know, what is expected of you as a guide more than as an apprentice starting in the company.
0: Let's go into our guide school itself. So if I can lay this out, Mousen had eighteen to twenty head of animals and um, he set this up. You would do a like a little crash course, you would pack everything up, he'd kind of do a basic skill test of the animals and kinda he would pair students up with an animal and we kind of we went on to the section of their property and we set up all wall tents and we kind of lived out of there for a couple weeks our classes and everything were based out of that now one thing that they did try to scare you on or they always told you about that there was going to be some period in this guide school where they were going to drop you off and you were going to have to find your way out of the mountains now whether at some point in time they would they would try to sneak you in they would kind of load you up for this like always be telling you in the back of your mind hey you need to have a backpack that's ready to go in case you do an overnight trip and they kinda surprise you on this and keep you on your toes when you might do this solo over the night trip in grizzly bear country in an area that you're kinda not familiar with. I mean you've hiked around it quite a bit and uh doing map and compass, trail cutting,
1: learning things like that,
2: but
0: you are pretty green to the whole country. I mean you don't know much. No, especially
1: coming from the east and it's like you want me to do what? You're gonna drop me off where and come out. It's daunting. It's a daunting task. So Mine. And they throw me out and they tell you what, I'm going
0: to pick you up tomorrow before dark. So I strike off, and I'm trying to make ground. I mean, I'm I'm getting nervous. I want to get down. For some reason I wanted to make the the creek in the bottom. That way, I knew I had a nice travel out, and which is not a hard hunt or a hard way to get through the country at all. Now that I know the land, but you're just freaked out. You're scared of that first night in there. You're not supposed to have any firearms or anything with you. I make a camp like a dumbass right on the creek, and it is freezing cold. If anybody knows, you don't camp right on the creek. So you at least pull up on a little bench at night. All that. Cold cold air will sock into those low areas and it'll just it'll freeze you out so i found an island because i was so scared something was gonna come eat me in the middle of the night and i camped on that island got absolutely no sleep i did catch a couple trout and i ate them and uh i made my way out to the pickup in the morning fairly early and they were
1: i was waiting on them i don't where did you end up having to go john i went on a little bit further up on the east end of the creek we were actually not too far from each other not knowing it probably about three miles apart but i came in from uh the idaho line we all both came to the same trailhead i was just about another maybe hour in
0: one good story about guide school is when we were in this little backcountry hunting scenario set up. there was a bear that kept getting into our stuff now my mom my mom anybody that knows my mom out there she's she's the best mom she she was taking care of us. She was sending care packages. So in these care packages, we were getting brownies and like little tasty treats. Twinkies. And these things were not supposed to be in the backcountry and definitely not supposed to be hidden inside of a
1: <laughs> buck stove in a wall tent. <laughs> but, it was August. It was too hot to have a fire. And we're like, where are we going to stash all these sweets? So uh, potbelly stove was the best option out of sight, out of mind. And we end up almost paying the price for it. So for some reason, this bear keeps picking on John and Josh's
0: tent. No one can figure this out. So... <laughs> We had a little – they they catered to us. I don't know because we had a bunch of horse knowledge or we were so, like, eager to jump into everything. I have no idea, but they, like, took to us. So, Malison pulls us in, and he's like, hey, here's a shotgun. Stuff gets out of hand.
1: You burn that bear.
0: Now, little did they know that we weren't supposed to have any guns in camp, but
1: I had a handgun. <laughs> We both, we both had 44 mag. Yeah. I, we were prepared. We weren't going in there blind.
0: Middle of the night, the rustling starts in the tack tent. Josh,
1: look at that zipper in the tent. And he goes, oh, man, that's that's bear hair. It pulled about a one-inch square, big chunk of hair out of its hide, and laid in the zipper and on the floor of our tent. And I said, that's all the guns in our tent. Time in wee hours of the morning, we hear some rustling outside. I said, Josh, let's get your gun. I said, I got mine. He said, I got mine.
0: I was running the mag like and I had a forty four pistol. We are dead confident that this bear is tearing stuff up now. Now, I do not have lethal ammunition Is this. It is birdshot. We're just going to teach this thing a lesson if even possible without hopefully getting a lesson taught to ourselves. On the count of three, the flap on the tent was supposed to be opened up. And uh, we get to three. John whips the tent flap open. And there is Tyrell,
1: the Outfitter's prized Belgian mule.
0: With eyeballs swelled up the size <laughs> of the mic on this. And I can still remember the grain falling out of his mouth in slow motion. <laughs> As he wheels around in a flash of a second and runs to the side of the tent.
1: (laughs) He blowed through that tent like a pot knife through butter on the other side. So we just told
0: everybody that the bear tore the hell out of the tack tent.
1: We left that detail out.
0: We graduate guide school. We get offered, actually, work for the outfitter that we went to the guide school for.
1: Can you do that? basically booked people for five guides this year and I only got three. (laughs) So turns out... You two are hired if you <laughs> want <to>. <laughs> 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 Very nice. So much how
2: it How much you paying, huh? <laughs> bud?
0: We'll give you twelve fifty a month, plus your ribbon board <laughs> and all the firewood <laughs> you can burn them you them to keep your clothes dry. Are you? You are gonna pay me money? Yeah, dude. Sign me up.
1: Yeah, you guys filled the uh, firewood <laughs> shed. Completely full during your apprenticeship program. We taught you absolutely nothing except how to fall a tree. If you guys want to work the rest of the season, you're hired. (laughs) thanks jerry you're the best <laughs> going back to salt I thank there. god the night and month prayers for opportunity. <laughs> they, they stole, stole
0: these clients money i mean honestly it worked out i mean we got these people animals like, it's had a good
1: time they returned They, they did clients i mean heard. we were kids
0: that got through to the wolves <laughs>
1: literally <laughs> i mean they come out with the wolves on a spear we, we got were 18 19 year old kids that fit in with adults and they that. made
0: us lie about her age i wasn't allowed to tell anybody how old i
1: was you never told me that
0: yeah because you had facial hair and i looked like i was 12 <laughs> that's <laughs> he's strict. like he's like can you grow any facial hair i'm like no dude i just got hair on my armpits <laughs> shave like your balls for me bro last swimming season we did get really lucky when we got hired on Mousen had a pretty good crew of guys and they liked us and they pulled us directly underneath their wings and we went scouting and we started going over the actual things that i thought we would learn in the guide school we started doing that with the guides themselves we would go out hands-on kind of an apprentice program and we were learning calling setups we were learning the country a lot better we kind of we kind of got what we wanted through the guide school once we got hired on and started like the apprentice program. And I think it's like a misconception across the board that these people think that they're going to go to guide school and directly after guide school, you're going to be a finely polished point to guiding. And that is absolutely not going to be the fact. And I'm just going to say it, that the way guide schools are structured nowadays, and they haven't really changed. I, I think it's a dinosaur. I mean, they're all set up that same exact way you can look at them. I'm not bashing anybody how they do it. But I'm just telling you that there's a lot of different ways that I think that the curriculum can be designed that would help guides in the future to deal with clients. It's more of skill building and team building skills and learning people people skills more than anything and I think you need to you need to really cue in on that as a guide because if you take two days to learn your clients weaknesses and strengths, that's two days of a hunt. You weren't doing much. You were just trying to learn that guy instead of chasing animals and being productive. I mean whenever I look at a client, I instantly try to think pick out that guy's flaws and his weaknesses to hunting and maybe my strengths and my weaknesses and how we might clash or things that we can do to jive together that would make the hunt better. Now, doing it for so long, you kind of learn to put pieces of country together to deal with clients. And I think that is, Walker, after going through this a little bit, wouldn't you think that's probably one of your biggest, hardest issues is finding country, enough of it, which we have a lot in our area, but finding specific ground to specify each client.
2: 100%.
1: Touching what you're saying, I think, I think the old, the old school, if you will, guide schools were more for like, which one of these guys are going to be able to hack it the most and where can I place them with an outfitter that I know that will suit this guy's needs as far as, you know, territory, you know, how rough is the territory you're going to be guiding, how many hunters they run. I think it's more like, hey, let's weed out who's not going to make it right off the bat so, versus let's teach these guys how to handle what the specific outfitter is looking for or let's say a guy wants to guide in, you know, Rifle, Colorado. What What's one of, the, you know, these five to ten guys in the guide school are going to fit into, the, you know, this particular outfitter's needs in Rifle, Colorado versus let's see who can hack it the most and, like, wherever they go, they'll, they'll be alright or they won't. So
0: you think this is like they put you through a process. Now let's not put this in, like, a military, but, like, the Marine Corps breaks you down. You think that these hunting outfits are trying to, like, break students down kind of a little bit to peel you apart like an onion in the backcountry, See. Maybe how your team skills are. You think they're doing this, but in a maybe that hard nosed old school attitude of going about it.
1: Yeah, I man, I definitely think it's a you know an old school hard nosed attitude of if you can't cut it, then just move along.
0: Look at the guides that uh, look at speed. Look at yeah, old George. A lot
1: of old guys just you know who's more badass than the country you're hunting right now, yeah. and those are the guys we want well, because can... they'll they'll find the animals because they're gonna you know they're gonna kill themselves to find it. Versus, hey, let's train this guy, a young guy, to. You know, cater to a client's needs and what they might need to get that particular hunter onto a you know, a shootable animal or whatever, you know, respectable species, or whatever they might be after.
0: So the cream will rise to the top, it just might take a year or two, right?
1: And I think that mentality needs to change into hey, this guy has the drive and this guy has you know, the want to succeed, and let's give this guy the tools he needs to do that rather than, hey, if he doesn't click, just send him to another outfit. Yeah, that makes
0: sense. I mean, I kind of see how that went. Now, how we did it with Walker is I hired Walker, and I've known Walker since been about out of diapers.
1: So same so year since he's kn- a little bitty
2: kid
0: known him for a long time we're gonna kind of get into his his way of it. we've kind of short versioned our guide school and kind of like what we learned and what we thought we should have learned walker took the apprentice program i would say if you were to put a label on it when you say that would yep he was an apprentice so he come out and he can he was there in spring bear he went over massive amounts of country i would just i would literally drive you guys in the mornings up to the top of mountains throw you out and i would just let you guys tell me what you saw for me being going through there, I would set you up. I would set you up going through certain areas where I was hoping you would find wallows or certain little pinch points or benches. And I'd set it up through you, would find in this stuff and just tell me about it. And you can kind of go over just like being on that big landscape for your first time. What'd you think of that?
2: I don't, I don't really know. It's just way different than. Back home. Room um, to cut loose, huh? Yeah. <laughs> A really big country.
0: I remember being, I crept out one night and I text I text your dad about it or I text John, I think too. And you were studying your maps on your phone and I like just walked up real quiet behind you and I don't even think you knew I was there and you're like, oh, tear this place apart i can remember hearing you say it, I, remember, I remember and i was thinking i was like dude how many young guys before us come to this country with that same intention i mean clear back to the 1800s i mean that's just people have been wanting to tear this place a new one and all they get is wore out <laughs> knees and shoulders and yep. at least we ain't getting scalped by no indians anymore yep. native americans <laughs> So, by circumstances, we were all kind of three forged by fire here. I'm, I mean, I'm not real proud. I mean, Jerry Mousen comes to us and he's like, listen, we got clients well, for five guys.
1: And, and uh, we got clients coming Sunday. You guys want to stick around and guide for me? And we're like, yeah, we'll do it all year. Whatever you got, we'll take it. I
0: know what everybody's thinking right now. They're like, oh, my goodness, this guy paid money to come yeah, out. and dude, 19-year-old. Pennsylvania
1: kids got them in elk country. Never did this before.
0: Now now granted there probably were better than us out there, but getting your work getting your money's worth out of work, I don't think that there's three guys that are gonna there's definitely ones that can work as hard as us for sure, but we, we put their nose to the grindstone and I know Walker, he had a very good first year this year. I had a pretty good first year. We all did. I mean it was impressive. I mean we kinda got thrown to it. Walker being as that we had went through this first year kind of deal through road to client, i knew what the clients were gonna be thinking whenever i paired them up with a kid it's,
2: it's kind of funny in orientation you get paired up with your clients and then they get the young kid and it's like
1: even if it's their first time out west they might be 40 45 years old and they're thinking i know more than this kid you know but why did you in my opinion why did you hunt you know hire a guide in the first place if that's you're going to come with that mentality it's like you have to have trust as an outfitter in your guides, and to pair them with this particular person. And I think you know people just need to
0: just go, just go with it. I think there's no trust in outfitters. Is kind of the scenario that we were thrown into that first year of thrust into guiding sometimes i don't think that goes quite as well for other guys in this occupation i think maybe they might fall apart it might not it might not their stars might not align this might not have been their occupation that they were supposed to do they don't know how to talk to clients maybe they feed them full so much bs that the clients just kind of look at them like dude you're lying so bad for everything i i just clients come to me and they're like that guy has been telling me so much bs all week that it's absolutely untrue so i think that's where a lot of the distrust in outfitters is because of those same scenarios they overbook for a lot of people and then they go hire the local gas pumping boy to come guide them in hunting season this is a professional guide and this this kid ain't did nothing but maybe killed an elk once in his life
1: i think that over trust comes from like you said the BS the outfitter is putting out there to book these people and that puts all that stress onto the person that he hasn't gotten that people that week I I know that
0: I've spent three days trying to be mediator and middleman because of, I'm not going to mention names, but outfitters that have booked clients, and it is not what is told during the booking whenever they get there with the client, or with the guide. And so the guide is playing this middle ground, trying to make this guy's life happy on this six days, trying to be a marriage counselor, trying to be a game finder, trying to be a taxi cab driver. I mean, there's a lot of, he's trying to be a lot of things at one time, and It's not for everyone. If I could think of a couple things that, like, just off the top of my head, if you guys want to go around the room and just, like, quick things that you think makes a good guide, like scenarios that you run into, and I think one of the biggest is running on no sleep. A a dude that can go with no sleep and still wake up, cheerful, I know, walker. This sucker will go days without sleep and skip to the breakfast table ahead of everybody. I know I used to be like that. I'm still like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that reflects right into the category of team player and how much are you willing to pour out into the company or outfit or whatever you want to call it as, you know, how much are you willing to really pour out into being successful not only at finding game but as being a team player getting along with everybody keeping spirits high not only for the other guys but for Every single hunter in camp that week and just, you know, getting out there and nose to the grindstone every day. And I'm going to find a deer, elk, or whatever tag your hunter might have that week and just pouring it out there. And for six days hard, whether, you know, you find a single elk or not or whatever you might be pursuing, it's just this guy's a bear tag this week. I'm going to do whatever it takes to be positive for six days and just hunt my guts out for this guy to find the bear.
0: And to reassure a lot of clients out there that end up with that super young guide, at orientation on sunday maybe not freak out maybe not give that kid such a hard time right out the gate you might be looking at a superstar a couple years down the road and uh you're gonna look at someone that's probably gonna hunt a lot harder for you just like john's saying i mean it's it's the fourth week of archery season we've been getting up at three o'clock four o'clock every morning clients show up on sunday monday morning it's first day for them that enthusiasm has got to be there and I'll just be straightforward with you I've been doing this for 18 years now and not every Monday morning do I wake up with the same enthusiasm as some of my young guides and this year we put a pretty good team of young guys together. We kicked butt, I feel, in a lot of ways, and they brought my spirits up just being around that young crowd this this year. I I cried uncle a little bit. I was sore. I was beat up, but their enthusiasm, just grinding it out every day, and that will to want to hunt more than that guy that's been there just pulling a paycheck. That, that's
1: that's what it is. I mean, it's a drive. It's a passion. It's definitely a passion. I mean, you're not going to get up. Three thirty, four o'clock every morning for 11 weeks in a row or 11 out of 12 in Montana particularly and just, you know, go out there and search and search and search for your binoculars or hike and hike and hike for Bugle and Elk or whatever your game is you're pursuing. It's just, it's a grind and it takes a team of guys that are willing to be like communicate amongst each other and, you know, do whatever it takes to get along and being up, you know, up spirits as far as... Hey, this is what, you know, today I seen this, today I seen that. You know, let's work together. You've seen an elk, I got a deer tag, whatever it takes. Hey, go over here, take your guy over here. There was a lot of deer over there today. You got a deer tag, and just stay positive and grind it out and make the most out of every single day you can for these guys that are paying. You know, a lot of the hunts for these guys are once in a lifetime hunts, and they expect that that effort from outfitter right down to the very youngest guy. So, that team player stuff, let's, we can hit on that, because that
0: is like, in my opinion, if you want to be a guide, you have to be a team player. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. As a client, I'm sure you clients listening out there, people that have been on hunting trips, you know if there's some sour apples in camp. I mean, if you got some guys that are getting butthurt about hunting spots, you got guides that are, this is mine, that's theirs, this is, and you're not hunting as a unit in the team, that's not going to go over. That's like one of the first red flags to clients. They they hit it shows
1: that over dinner. Yeah,
0: instantaneously, they <laughs> can kind of see who's getting the hot spots, who's going to be anal about it. It, it. It's just not good. It, when you go to these hunting outfits, they're not hunting as a team and as a unit. Probably not going to be real successful. And when I mean successful, I mean not successful maybe is making kills because the country and the ground will play more hand on that. But like a successful hunt, you got to, if you enjoy yourself, everybody's cutting up and having fun, That everybody's hunting as a unit and a team. Now, John and I have hunted for multiple different outfitters, and we've kind of we've seen both roles at that. We've seen a couple teams that we work for play together real good, and we've seen a couple teams that don't play together real good. Now, Walker come into this, he's green as the grass. So, we kind of played ball pretty good together. I mean, that was one thing that I, I pushed pretty hard for our guides to do. Is what, How do you feel that everybody played?
2: I think everybody played pretty well for the most part. I mean, it always seems like you have –
1: you know, a person or two in camp that just...
2: Always have the sour apple?
1: Yeah. Due to cancer, is not good. No. Cancer spreads, and you want to eliminate the cancer as much as possible. So,
2: what we're
0: striving for here at Waypoint is... We are going to try to start up a guide school, and we do not have the permits or anything like that through the state yet. But we are striving for that, and we're wanting to change guides and that guide school curriculum. And uh, I know that there's certain structure we have to follow through the state and guidelines during the curriculum. But I want to break it down, and I want to get deep into guides' mentality and breaking it down. And I'm I'm sorry, but at our school, I'm going to break some hearts. I'm gonna. I don't mean to be the bad guy, but I don't. It's like selling a hound dog. I mean, you sell one bad hound, and your name's tainted. And when you have guides go through your guide school, I think that reflects you as an outfit. And you're not going to be able to teach this to every person. So you're going to have to be downright kind of just, just rude. And some people aren't going to take it the greatest. And maybe you might change someone's outlook on it. You might crush them right off the gate and tell them some downfalls that they have. It maybe getting a niche into this business, but you don't want to waste their time in chasing a lost dream because for a lot of people, this dream doesn't really end anywhere, but in a few years, a good work and a lot of camaraderie, but it is a, it isn't revenue to a lot of income. I mean, there is guiding across the States. If you set out to do it, you can guide 365 days a year in this country. I mean, we're pretty fortunate.
1: You know, touching on what you just said, I think it's better and people respect you more as an outfit, as a company, that you can deliver that as a clear message. Like it's better to break someone's heart or feelings during God school and be like, This is really what it's gonna be like. Like you're not sugarcoating this, you're not beating around the bush. When hunters come, this is what they're gonna expect from you. And if you can't deliver on that, then maybe you should just stick to packing or something you know not in the role of a guide to where you know these people have high expectations a lot of people come as like i said earlier once in a lifetime hunt and if you can't deliver on their needs then it's you know not only this company not for you but maybe this role isn't for you and that's i'd rather as an individual have that delivered to me during guide school and find where my niche is within the outdoor industry if i'm still going to pursue that then burn five years of my life guiding needlessly.
0: Some people, you that might be the great awakening. I mean, if you would have told me that whenever I was 18, 19, stepping in, think if I would have told you that, Walker. <laughs> Come August, the day before Huntsies, dude, it would have crushed you out, right? Yeah. The type of person you are, I could see you to put your nose to the grindstone and you would have figured it out. That person that's going to get all pissy and hang their head and cock an attitude, maybe not try to work it harder. Those are the person that's probably not going to make it in this because this job sucks while you're doing it. It is fun as can be, and everybody sees all the social media. The, mm-hmm. the I love it. It's the greatest. It, it is, but I'm telling you, something you
1: love and making an everyday rain or shine, sleet or hail, mm-hmm. knee deep, waist deep nipple deep snow i mean you're going every day whether you like it or not
0: i haven't yeah. killed an animal in four years so i get to do a lot of hunting but i have not you through for do, yourself for myself oh, yeah. yeah yeah not guiding yeah <laughs> yeah no wait a minute here so yeah as far as like so if you're a if you're a hunter out there and you're dead set on being the main guide doing all the shooting guiding is definitely not your deal because that's when the money's to be made and that's when the work is to be done and you're not going to be the dude on the trigger you're going to be getting paid from that dude squeezing the trigger the all right so we've kind of went over how we've each taken our path to being a guide and how we got there now now we are cut loose we're guides we're out on the landscape we've got throw to the wolves our first year of guiding and i got lucky as hell and somehow killed a deer with a guy one of my first clients and i'll just kind of go over some of the stories that good ones and bad ones i'm going to tell you my first elk because my first deer is a good one but my first bull or second my rifle bull that that does my favorite story so my first hunt, my first rifle kill for an elk was very exciting and means of me harvesting an animal with a client but also because of my first time jitters of guiding so let me. This will be where I was not filing finely tuned guide. So we had a list of numbers that we would go over when we killed an animal because there was such secrecy on the radios and such. If we killed a, a grizzly bear, it was a ten ten. If we killed a moose, it was a ten nine. If we killed a elk, it was a ten eight. So on. I could have these off a little bit, but we had these code words. So, anyways, long story short, we knocked down the bulls. Finally, I get on the radio and I was like,
1: a bull elk."
0: a bull elk. We knocked down a bull elk. This bull is down. I get on the radio and I am fired up. Cock of the walk. I am ready for this to go over the radio because I know there's possibly going to be other guides listening to this and stuff. I jump on and I was like, yep, base camp. This is Josh. Base camp comes in. I've got a 1010 down. There's silence on the radio. He's like, do you have a 10-10 down? Are you sure about that? Yes, sir. I have a 10-10 down. I'm looking at this son of a gun right now. Down for sure. Meanwhile, <laughs> I'm telling him in code that I have a grizzly bear on the dirt. I have shot a grizzly bear <laughs> with a client. And the enthusiasm over killing an elk is not coming over. And I'm, like, really confused at what's going on. And I'm like, wow. They're, like, upset with me or something. He's like, radio silence. I'm sending the packer in, and I'll talk to you at the lodge. I'm like, wow. Man, my first rifle elk? you think these guys would be pumped up. <laughs> yeah. About two hours later, here comes riding in our packer, Nick, and he's like, you shot a grizzly bear? I was like, no, dude, we shot a bull elk. And he's like, you've been telling us on the radio you shot a grizzly bear. Everybody in camp is freaking out. So my first big time in the sun was not really no time in the sun. I got to go home, go back to the lodge, and I got yelled at by the outfitter that I had my codes wrong. So that was my first – or. Right, well kind of the story though i wasn't prepared john's gonna tell you about his first time
1: we're up in this area and sitting there all day it's probably uh 11 30 12 o'clock midday and full moon during the week not seeing a whole lot of activity at all and just bummed out just searching hard just eyes just calloused over and the eyelids from looking and searching for your binoculars and- about 11 30 noon i see this mule deer buck go across this opening i'm like hey guys come on we gotta go we gotta get over there now and we end up getting over there and this rutting mule deer still there where i last seen him just feeding and this guy couldn't get a rest couldn't get a rest i just put him up on my shoulder and on my left shoulder plug my ears and he shoots and just pancakes this thing he comes sliding down the mountain and i just so hold up hold up let's let's lay this out for the listeners he laid the
0: gun over my shoulder and yeah, i plugged my re- right <laughs> over this I, I reached all right gun safety <laughs> yeah no gun
1: safety at this point so excited to have a legal buck in front of my guy and he just put his barrel over my left shoulder right past my left ear and i just reached over the barrel and plugged my left ear and plugged my right ear with my right hand and Apparently, it was steady enough to squeeze her off, and he's shot, and pancake, it comes sliding right towards us. And I just, in my binoculars and in my, you know, mentality of whatever, seen this deer, it was the biggest buck on the mountain that day. <laughs> <laughs> he drains this thing, it comes sliding down about 150 yards from us, and we get up to it. And thank God, his enthusiasm wasn't as let down as mine with ground shrinkage because it was just a four by four little thing but i mean thank god he was excited as i was i don't know i just never forget that day just just you know your first blood i
2: don't know whether to talk about my first kill should i talk about
1: yeah, did, yeah let's tell, tell us about your
0: kill tell me when you got bloody fingernails that's that's the, the story that they want to hear
2: my first kill was a whitetail doe with the amish assassins the last week
0: okay you can tell us a buck story <laughs> All right, I was gonna say it. You guys want to hear that? I was
2: gonna—I was originally gonna talk about the first boy I called in, but yeah, no, say, tell yeah, us about yeah, that. Tell that. Tell that. Okay, my first week guiding elk hunts, I have this client, and he's telling me like. He's hardcore. He like hikes all over the country. I'm like, awesome. Like we're gonna be able to cover some ground. First day, pouring rain, but doesn't matter. You've Got to do what you got to do. So we're just beating brush, ridge hopping. At this time, I didn't have like sick of gear and all this. I was still repping like the cheaper camo. So I'm soaked and like it's like 30 some degrees. I'm freezing to death. Uh, we ended up finding four sheds that day. So that was cool, but we didn't see anything. I don't think, I think this was see- a Monday. Yes, this was a Monday. Shed Monday. Yes, every Monday after this, I found a shed. But anyways, uh, Tuesday, it's a pretty nice day. We got on a spike bull. That's it. A couple days go by. We ended up, we ended the week at 79 miles. So the last day, we're both beat. He's got blisters on his heels. And I've been saving this spot all week. I was like, I'm counting on this spot. And so we dropped down into this drainage. I don't remember if I bugled or cow called. I could see where this bull was raking trees and everything else. So I started just beating everyone that he raked. And every time I'll do that, he'd bugle. So I started giving like squealy challenge bugles back at him. He challenged bugles, he runs up the ridge like 200 yards. Challenge bugles, comes back down to where he first bugled, and at this point he's, he's like roaring, and then he's chuckling in between, and then he's bugling again. And like my heart, I'm out of control. Like my binding harness is coming off my chest right now. I, I'll never forget that feeling, but this bull comes down to like 60 yards, and can't see it, I just hear the brush crack, and it bugles one more time, and I thought it was gonna come to the right. It actually come to the left. It gets like right where we walked in. And so I'm like circling around my client to try to pull the bull in front of my client. And this bull comes, gets perfect, clear as day. I think it was 38 yards broadside. And my client's just full draw. And I'm like, this is about to happen, my first week. I think it was a six by seven. And then it turns, walks up the trail to like, I think it was like 17 yards or something. And turns broadside again. Uh, it like sniffs where we were. My guy's still full draw this whole time. He just, I'm just waiting for the flack of it hitting ribcage. And then the bull just walks in the brush, gets in our scent can, gone. And I was like, Are you serious?
0: As quick as it happened, it just. Yeah, that
2: was pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, dude.
0: Nothing like calling in a bull. No. That's yeah, well, just... fun to have with
1: your clothes on. When someone
0: once told
2: <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. Yep. Okay, so tell about your first kill. Okay, my first kill was, well, we call them the Amish Assassins. There's these Amish boys that come out. So this is a Monday morning also. First day of rifle season, guiding. I walk them, I think it's like three miles, something like that, four miles in. We just get to this rock. I drop my pack. We're all dropping our packs, but, you know, trying to stay, like, in the cover while we're glassing. I glass this whole hillside. Don't say anything. All right. So we're getting settled in. I was looking at another ridge to see if at noon we could, like, drop in and possibly get to that. The w- one kid was peeing, and then the other kid was like, hey, there's some deer. And I was like, what? It was literally right where I just looked, and sure enough, there's three does walking. It was like 350 yards or 450. And then I see this buck, and to me, it looked like the most ginormous mule deer buck I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, same with mine. Yeah, there's dark horns. And, like, I'm like, dude, there's a buck with him. He's, he's the one above him and they're like no way so they're getting all excited so I throw my pack down get them all settled in the one that was shooting Jeremy he has his 300 wind mag dials it up to whatever he had he said he thought it was on but you know uh, I think it was 450 even broadside it's sitting there it was like bumping the does but it put its head down standing there for a couple seconds and he shoots nothing happens like I was like all right you missed He's like shoot again he shoots again nothing happens then at this point the deer are kind of getting nervous so they bump up to like 465 or something shoots again i see some dirt fly and i was like all right you just missed like right by his butt the one that was shooting was like all right you can shoot it because i can't hit it so the other kid gets on the gun shoots miss they take off over the ridge and i'm like listen grab all your bullets and grab your gun i know where he's going follow me and we take off in a full bore sprint out around this ridge we start running up the ridge, I'm like, he should be coming any second. Sure enough, they're like, there he is. He's like 45 yards from us, and I'll never forget because there's, like, fog on top of this knoll. It was like something out of a movie, and there's just this huge mule deer hopping. They shoot. I I think they missed the first shot. The kid beside me, his gun jams. I'm, like, panicking. I'm just like, please kill this mule deer right now, <laughs> and the kid that was beside me, gets his gun on jam, throws it up on it, and hits it right in the heart, drops it, and... Come to find out, the dirt that flew was actually he shot it in the butt. It was uh-huh. hair that flew, and then the dirt behind it flew, but we couldn't yeah. touch Huh?
1: Nice.
0: Muley buck down. Thank yeah, yeah. That's the first one of the season. Yeah, that was our first muley buck of the yeah. year. I'll
1: never forget get that stink of the skunk off the camp. That any was way awesome. possible.
0: Yeah. So, clients out there, don't get nervous when you have that young guide. Give them a chance. Those guys, if the outfitter, if you have trust in that outfitter and booking a hunt with them and they paired you up with a young guy, they probably have trust in their name and everything on them. So Absolutely. there's some good success stories about being third to the wolves, your first year guiding. Uh, I think that. What about a bad story? Oh, you guys want some bad stories?
2: One bad story.
0: Uh, I got a shorty. I got a lost story. John, what kind of story you got? No, we're not telling that one about getting lost. So let me let me let me give us a little bit of fairness. We were pre Onyx. Yeah. I remember pre-GPS. Yes. Now we're not old by any means, but we also didn't have a ton of money resources to go buying all to this buy stuff. This yeah. Stuff. We're 18,
1: 19 years old.
0: I, I learned to triangulate. I mean, I carried we went and had maps laminated and we run map and compass. Now, today's guides, you're looking at me like Wide-eyed, like, dude, my (laughs) Onyx, I got a cell phone charger. That thing goes down. I got a Garmin Montana backup. Yeah. So we did not have that. So my story is I was trying to drop into some back timber cuts, and if you can imagine this mountain had a big saddle in it. I had went around the back knob on – in that mountain and i had thought i had went and dropped off the backside, and here i had just looped around that camel's hump and i pop out and i had didn't really drop in the elevation i just ringed around that last camel's hump on that saddleback and there i am staring at a pair of chenay size 10s and i'm like what's the chances of another dude coming in here i was like they beat us to our hunting spot and i start thinking about all this and it was a little foggy and now i'm confused because i don't know where i'm at i don't know what went on it took a little bit to actually like run all the scenarios down and i did the same thing this year that i did the same exact thing this year but i had onyx so i didn't look like such a dipshit i've just acted smoothed it right out and kept on hiking but that was kind of my lost. i played dumb for a little bit and didn't know where i was at but I, I played it off pretty good they didn't even know i was lost but
1: i got a similar story for they knew I was walking in a circle the whole time. However, I did not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Until we come back across. Same <laughs> I, uh, I uh, had to hike up to a ridge on the back side of a ridge. And on the other side of the ridge, there were three fingers which I wanted the middle ridge to take me down this long, nice, beautiful, open timber saddled ridge that, you know, elk and deer both like to bet up on. Well, first, I skirted, much like Josh's camel story, camel hump story around the far left ridge. And then, once I come back across our own foot tracks, I realized, oh man, we just walked a big circle, which my hunters also realized. <laughs> <laughs> and and I first hooked on the left one then I panicked after we come across our own tracks and they called me out on it and I bombed off on the right one like a (laughs) douchebag instead of gathering myself and making sure I hit the middle ridge on the second one i hit the far right ridge and completely went the opposite direction of how i wanted to walk down that ridge which shortened our hunt by about four hours <laughs> and come out on the road where i did not want to but did it shorten the hunt trip um, yeah those guys weren't too happy and they were completely blistered they had rubber lacrosse boots no laces no Ooh. nothing they uh due through their blisters they were off early and went home next day <laughs>
0: One thing about it, I will say, is the outfitter did stick to. He had your back on that issue.
1: He did because uh, it happens. Yeah, I happens mean, the best of us. I mean,
0: even though you were lost, you hunted all day, right? Yeah,
1: we were still, you know, sneaking and stopping. We still jumped some bucks smaller, and they had a chance to shoot them. But I mean, nothing major that that you know, I would have had them shoot or anything like that. But they, uh, we were still hunting. We were still in there, and you know, that's part of it. I would say most guides
0: that were in this business pre 2000 what 7ish 5ish 5 for sure maybe. yeah, yeah maybe they seven. they were dealing with a lot of Not difficulty, but if you didn't really seriously know the ground or like raised there, to just strike off a new country with topographical maps, it took some balls, man. I mean, especially just to hunt it the way that you need to hunt it professionally with a client and have complete 100% confidence in every step that you take. You don't have that when you hunt with just mapping now with onyx dude i'm i can go anywhere yeah it's a different game now
1: there's a lot of different tools and a lot of different gear you know Sitka and QU and all that's come out since we got it it's different it's a different game and it's a different world and it's good it's all beneficial to the hunter and the client in my opinion
0: so walker you better not be giving me a lost story with all this onyx i
2: I was gonna say i don't have a lost story but i do have like i guess you kind of kind of bad not really they're just a mad client all right so this client he expected to walk under a mile every day and kill an elk and a deer anyways it's rifle season so we (laughs) we uh I take first day I take this guy up this mountain five miles Uh, it's like two hours in the dark hiking up this mountain get there we get on a mule deer three by three like 400-some yards or something. He elected not to shoot from where we were, so he said, I just want to take my chances and hope it comes in, and I was like, all right. And the deer bedded down with doe, So and there was a knoll in between us. We could have snuck up to it. Killed The, the stalk smear. was there. Yeah, okay. and he didn't want to do it. 30 minutes goes by. The deer gets up, and I'm like, all right. Doe takes off running down over the hill, and of course, the buck followed it, gone forever. And so we're walking back down out of here in the dark, and I don't know. I was just happy we seen a mule deer so i started skipping i don't really know why <laughs> and he didn't find it very funny i guess cool. uh he told me he was gonna punch me in the face and
0: yeah i heard this story from the client and he actually he had a good time with it he wasn't as upset as what it might appear he was spent <laughs> that day was hell for him doing those four miles he was not prepared for what mountain hunting and backpacking hunting was about and the fact that you had that much energy at the end (laughs) he thought it was like a poke in the eye to him (laughs) but if anybody knows walker he is like clear full of energy Uh, see we got any other input maybe to someone that's listening to this podcast that might want to try to get into guiding
2: attitude is just as important as your skill to kill
0: there you go
1: absolutely positive attitude and you know wake up every morning with drive and enthusiasm not only for yourself and your other you know teammates and team players in the company but for your hunters that are expecting you know a hunt of a lifetime every sunday or every whatever turnaround day it is that hey time to perform and time to have a good time every every week's reset
0: yeah i pretty much have a couple of things to put in for someone that's maybe looking to become a professional guide for one i would say you better have a good work that work ethic because those long hours on the mountain when someone's not sitting there right beside of you that you have to impress the boss or you don't have some like getting a pat on the shoulder to go that extra mile you're going to have to go that extra mile a bunch if you want to be a successful guide you're going to have to literally a lot of times when you do not want to do something you're going to have to put enthusiasm on your face and bring up the morale of the other couple guys that you're with and show enthusiasm even down to the last second of Saturday evening that this could happen at any moment. And just having that work ethic of nonstop drive, that I think makes better guides than anything. If you are dead set in making it in this career, you will do what it takes to learn the basics and to figure it out. If you have that work ethic and that drive, that's what it takes to make it. Don't lose heart anybody out there that's wanting to go into this profession and... We need a lot more good guides out there. This outfitting is a teetering thing, whether people think it's great to go with an outfitter or they think it's a waste of their money. And uh, to be honest, that's because of poor guiding and poor outfitting. And the more of us that are out there to make a difference and change people and not try to steal people's money, the better we'll do.
1: Yep. Not only from an outfitter perspective, but, you know, from a guide and guide school perspective that, hey, let's train better guides from the get-go and have them expect more uh, you know, life actual life situations than just packing into the backcountry and going from there and learning on a whim.
0: Yep. Well, that's about it. This is us over and out. <laughs> you standing
1: in the queue just to this as usual.